0: Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest, Mike Dillard, Keith Yaki, Mike Koenigs, Brad Costanzo, Clark Benson, Ed O'Keefe, Craig Clemens. When you got into the network marketing, I mean, you sat there and struggled for five years. I mean, what really kept you going? Because a lot of people would probably bail after the first six, 12 months.
1: The alternative of working for somebody else for the rest of my life was even more unbearable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, really, really, it was it. I was at a, at a place where I was literally willing to die trying. I was either going to make it or I was going to continue to try for as long as it takes until it killed me or or whatever it may be. Because the alternative of giving up and surrendering, you know, all of my hopes and dreams in life, it's just it, it, it's not an alternative. So, for sure. Um, yeah, the big transition point for me in that. Kind of once I figured this out, I, I went from waiting tables at a PF Chang's in San Antonio to making my first million dollars within about 18 months after those five or six years. Was realizing that the opportunity itself is not the opportunity, meaning the company, the products, the compensation plan, none of that is going to bring the success that I wanted. Right. And It took me again five years to figure that out, and I think it takes a lot of people, you know, the same kind of thing. Because you get you bought into this opportunity presentation and the product, and you're like, "Man, this is going to make a million dollars." And it's like, if if, as long as you have that, then that's all you need. It's just not the case. So, you know, I'd go to these meetings and I'd see all of these people in in every single company I went to who were walking across stage and and making money, and I was like, "What am I missing here?" And what I was missing is the fact that all of these individuals had mastered a skill set of some kind. Whether that was presenting at a hotel meeting or pre- presenting from stage or presenting and recruiting people over the phone, whatever it may be, they had all mastered a skill. And I had not. And so I decided to change that. And the first skill that I mastered was copywriting. So I spent about a year, oh, year cool. and a half, find every uh, you know, book and course that I could on copywriting. I would sit at home late at night and handwrite out uh, really effective sales letters that i 'd seen online and printed out, and that 's what changed everything because for the very first time in my life, I now had the ability to effectively sell my opportunity or my products, which in the past i didn't. I was just uh, keeping my fingers crossed and so once I acquired that skill set, I could execute on my own timeline you know as, as much as I wanted. I could scale my efforts using Google AdWords. And instead of you know presenting the business to 10 leads a night over the phone and trying to convince these people to start a business, I could present the opportunity to 1,000 people a day sure. using Google AdWords and really have them qualify themselves. And so that for me is the answer to the question that you and I probably both always get which is what's the secret to success?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> and,
1: and the secret is you have to acquire a skill set and become become the master of, of something. And it needs to be aligned with you and your personality style, uh, meaning that I am not built for analytics or numbers. I failed all of my math and finance classes <laughs> in college two to three times each. I had to retake them in summer school every single summer for five years. <laughs> And so looking at spreadsheets, you know, doing traffic campaigns, going through data on a daily basis, I just am not built for that. Right. And so what I am built for is writing, and I just figured out that that's where my talent lies. Other people, like let's say Gary Vaynerchuk, who I saw gave you that shout out today, <laughs> um, hey, <thanks. laughs> is built for. Person to person, you know, speaking right. from stage, speaking from the camera—that's his talent. Where if he had to write a sales letter like I did or a webinar, I'd probably, you know, uh, excel uh, in that format. So, sure. really figuring what you're built for and then mastering a skill set that's aligned with that is the key to—it's the key to success. So,
0: uh, definitely, and I think you know that's the biggest thing is a lot of people they they don't really drive home and try to really figure out what those strengths are that they have yeah and you know they just kind of keep floundering or looking for those shortcuts to uh, try to bypass everything so so I guess tell me what's what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: I don't know if it was advice that I was given. Uh, you know one of the things that that pop into my head uh, that a mentor shared with me back in my network marketing days is the more you give away, the more you get to keep, meaning the more you give to the marketplace as far as value goes freely, the more you're going to get back. I'm sure you've experienced that here with the podcast and the opportunities it's created. Um, So really accepting that and then diving into it and just starting to put out content for free back in my early days demonstrating leadership, uh, teaching people things was a huge turning point in my career. It's what started to attract and build my audience for the very first time. So that was huge Uh, and then the skill set piece is as well, if you're sitting there to lean your fingers wasting time if you've been attempting to make money as an entrepreneur for five years and, and you've gotten no further along that goal it means that you have not increased your value to the world uh, in a manner that you know is uh, is aligned with making more money so that's when the whole skill set piece comes into play all of us and the amount of money that we make is, directly related to the amount of value that we bring to the world. And so there are some people who have an unbelievable amount of value but they don't have a lot of leverage and a great example of that is a brain surgeon. If you're dying of brain cancer or whatever it may be, there's only maybe a couple of dozen people in the entire country who can save your life. And so the amount of value that they bring to those patients is huge and the number of other people with their area of expertise is next to nothing and so they can charge almost whatever they want. But there is ultimately a cap because they can only perform one to two procedures a day, so right. they don't have leverage of scale. When it comes to uh, you know the opposite end of the spectrum, you or I have a particular skill set that we've acquired. Let's just call it sales and marketing. And we are using the infinite uh, the, the internet to increase our scale uh, as much as we you know possibly can. And so that's how guys like you and I who are nowhere near as smart as brain surgeons can make. 10 to 50 times more money than they can. It's because we simply have scale. And so the question I would ask yourself is, how can you increase your value to the world? Uh, It's very simple. It's by acquiring rare and valuable skill sets and ideally skill sets that are applied in a way that have the biggest and widest impact possible on as many people as possible and that really is the key to building a seven, eight, nine, ten figure business.
0: People are listening to this. I mean, most of our—I know a lot of my audience—they're entrepreneurs, they're action takers, and things like that. But there's a group of people that may pick up the show and say, "Hey, I like this," but you know, they're just on the fence and they don't know, you know, I guess how to get take that action to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I know you've encountered it and you've worked with a lot of different people. I mean, what would you say or how would you um, help them move that move that step forward to, I guess? Extending their voice out there to getting you know to them to change their start to move their life to find Well, your- shocker.
2: I actually have a framework for this <laughs> and um, I call it my fast framework Okay, and it's F A I'll say it very quickly because I don't know how much time we have on the show left, but um, The first F is find a mentor that way you can just copy exactly the model that they've already laid out for success right the other F because it's fast with two F's it's um is I think be forward thinking, meaning if you want to change your life and you want to be in a different spot in two, four, five, 10, 20 years than you are now, think about, okay, what is it going to really take me to truly change my life in the next five years? Uh, There's a statement that people that I love. It says people overestimate what they can, and this always happens on New Year's Eve, right? People (laughs) overestimate what they can accomplish in one year, but they underestimate what they can accomplish in five and so it's like I always think: be forward thinking. Not how can I make a how can I make money next week, but how can I make money and have a business I love and a life sure. I love the next five years. A of the fast is act on what you know right now. So many people are looking for the next silver bullet. And listen, there's a lot of junk and BS out there. It's why I wanted oh, yeah. to create Amplify because I'm I'm kind of an anti BS guy. <laughs> I act on what you know right now. If you like writing, start blogging, and start blogging consistently. If you like doing infographics with cute quote cards, start doing that and do it consistently. Start doing whatever you're doing consistently, so that way you can start getting your voice out to the world and you can start getting feedback. S is schedule your learning. So act on what you know right now, but then S is really important, schedule learning. If you go, I don't know anything about Facebook ads, and, and the successful people don't go, oh, I don't know anything about Facebook ads, I can't do it. The successful person says, I don't know anything about Facebook ads, I need to learn it or hire somebody who's the best at it, right? Right. So I say S, schedule your learning, just like any C-suite executive, C-level executive, they schedule. Every month they have to learn something. So schedule your learning so that way you can learn. It. The things I know now, do you realize early 2013, late 2012, I wrote on my fears to face this year list was learn how to build a website, <laughs> <laughs> and here we are now, you know, doing very well online. So sure. so I scheduled my learning. I'm like I'm going to learn. I went to every conference, every event, mastermind. Right. You know I I was all oh, in because yeah. I wanted to learn. And then lastly T is test and tweak. You know, it's it's a marketer. That's a marketer. A marketer's mantra as we got to test and tweak. You never know how anything's going to actually stick in this world or how it's going to be received in this world until you throw it out there, test it and tweak it. But you have to have a different um, association with failure uh, right. than than you know. And, that, and I just think like people who have had any amount of success just have a different relationship to failure than those who don't. I'm going to test it and tweak it. I'm going to give it out there. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. You know how many ad campaigns have not worked for us? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. we twe- but we wouldn't have known how to tweak it unless right. we put it out there. And that's the thing. is like uh, the old saying, you can't steer a parked car. And nobody ever got in their car, started up, and waited for every light to turn green to get to their destination. They went. They got detours. You had red lights. You had stops. You had traffic. Whatever. That's just like I know it sounds overly simplistic. But why are we making this thing so freaking complicated? Yeah. So what was one of
0: those key points that you, that, that just switched everything on for you, um, that you were able to come back and, you know, bust through and everything?
3: You know, I, I think it was, um, having uh, a compelling vision. Uh, and I was able to write down an entire life plan on one piece of paper. And some of it was driven by how do I want to feel? And, um, and being able to visualize an end game, So I got really, really, really specific. I got that way with my next mate as well. I wrote down every quality that I was looking for in someone. And um, interestingly, as a result of uh, uh, going down this path, going down the Tony path, I got turned on to Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, a whole bunch of other people in that space. And a few years later, I ended up meeting a woman who is now my wife, who used to work for Deepak Chopra. She's a published <laughs> author herself. And had worked in the field with some people whose number one clients and best of friends were Neil Donald Walsh, the Conversations with God guy, Hmm. represented uh, uh, Deepak and Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and just about every other big name in that space. So I got exposure to and those people ended up becoming my clients and customers. So I think the real answer to the question is, um, it came from a quote from... Uh, Manifest Your Destiny, which was a book uh, by Wayne Dyer that I listened to the audio book probably 300 times. And it was something to the effect of, who do I need to become right now to become attractive to that which I desire? And um, and one distinction he had is, everything you desire already belongs to you and it be- and you belong to it. And the only thing separating you from it, it is time. And I would also add to that Action implementation, but um, taking on that mindset made me feel comfortable in my own skin and get over a lot of old trauma that I had been carrying around from you know being um, feeling stupid my whole life, feeling poor, feeling less than, um, not being good at it, just not knowing what I was good at and not feeling good at it, and not getting feedback from peers who were equals, you know. And 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 the thing is, is is Uh, I think the net net is our riches and and this is a uh, Brian Tracy quote which is our lives are changed by the books we read and the people we meet and I would go so far as to say our lives are transformed by the people we surround ourselves with that hold us to the high standard that they see inside us, the spark, the spirit and the divine inspiration and um sometimes we can't see it in ourselves it's just the sure. nature of the ego and and, it's, and it takes a long time until you can learn to control your own ego and also see past your own delusions and illusions that are keeping you stuck and so you know you just got to get a freaking great coach you got to surround yourself and be the stupidest person in the room and if you're not the if you're not the dumbest person in the room in a group it's time to move on to a new group and be pushed right. to a new stage
0: awesome uh, any other insights or anything uh, you could think to?
4: Yeah, the um, you know one of the insights that I had recently, and it kind of depends upon who the listener is, but there's this big. I, I did a podcast episode on this, and the more I started to think about it, the more it made sense. Which was the difference between being an entrepreneur and being entrepreneurial. And it's huge because a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur. They want to be that because they think it's sexy and fun. And it's like, oh, I'm working nine to five. I don't like to work nine to five. I want to be an entrepreneur so I can only work half a day. And it doesn't matter (laughs) if it's the first twelve hours or the second twelve hours. You work half a day, right? You got the hardest boss ever, and it's the hardest money you'll ever make. There's no such thing as an easy money for an entrepreneur, but. And a lot of people get caught up in trying to be the entrepreneur instead of being entrepreneurial. And you can be entrepreneurial if you have a job, if you have a um you know, even if you never want to own your own business. Right. An entrepreneur simply finds problems that they can solve for a profit, and you can do that if you're at a you know, if you're in a job, go to your boss and say, "Listen, uh what nut are you trying to crack, boss? Where's some where's some um what are some uh, business challenges you're having right now that you just don't know how to solve? And they might be like, "Well, why are you asking me this? You're an accounts receivable clerk." But no reason. I just want to know what problems you're having. And when you change up your mindset to think to to look and seek out problems, even if you don't know how to sell them, remember you don't have to be the smartest person as long as you know how to find them. Right. And I've told some of my clients, some of my listeners, listen, you want a great way to do this? Just you know, ask these people for what problems they want to solve and then reach out to me and I'll, I'll see if I can help you solve them or whatever. I'll pay you a referral fee. But that's the difference between being entrepreneurial and worrying about trying to become an entrepreneur. One of them is a lot easier. That's being entrepreneurial. So that's maybe my most recent um, insight, sure. I guess, might make sense.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense because like you said, everybody sees the entrepreneur and it's as glamorous or sexy or whatever as it's been Brought yeah. around over the years and yeah. but and then they go they they probably have no business being an entrepreneur. Yeah. But they have ways that they can become that entrepreneurial person within yeah. where they are and become that hero there and that kind of thing.
4: Right. And even if they you do have your own business, right? Whether sure. it you know, whatever you're doing, just always think of being how you know, what does an entrepreneur do? Well they solve problems. They right. produce, you know, they find a problem, produce a solution, and make a profit on it. Um, do that in your own business. Constantly be looking for the problems that you can solve, whether it's the problems your customers have, or you have, or you know, your competitors have, or somebody else. The more you stay in that mindset, the more money you'll make. And I try to do that with myself. Like I hate the operation side of business; it's the necessary evil. But you right. kind of have to do it. But I can hire people, do that aspect. I never want to get out of the mindset of problem, solution, profit. By the way, why I also like consulting so much because I just get to stay in that mindset where I, where I do the best and my right. consulting business is myself and my assistant. So it's really, really cool. <laughs> um, but I think that's a uh, key. And The other kind of cool piece to leave you with is um, I found that you gain a lot more credibility and trust with potential clients by asking good questions than providing quick answers. Because if you can ask the right questions and if you can ask really powerful, good questions of people and you can probe and, and, and figure out what real causes and symptoms and solutions are, uh, you never even have to offer an answer. I, I've noticed this in some of my client enrollment calls, which is um, I just ask questions. I almost never provide like, uh, here's exactly what you need to do. Oh my God, we've got the solution for yeah. you. No, they'll just say, man, you've been asking some great questions. You obviously get this. How can I give you money? Like I've literally had that conversation so many times. So I tell my, my clients who are also consultants or experts, they sell their advice. I'm like, understand the power of questions over answers. It's when sure. you do, you, you, you make your life a lot easier.
0: What was one of the most successful things? You say, OK, cool. You know, This is something that we are doing today that's led us now to X growth. So uh like
5: we've actually grown about uh 7 million unique visitors just in the last like 9 to 12 months wow. and uh we had always grown at a nice steady like this and then all of a sudden it's going like that and I don't know if anybody can see that but, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, but uh the, the um the thing that really changed is we took sort of a data-centric engineering approach, and we actually went and you know put a bunch of engineering time on taking APIs from Facebook, uh, taking APIs from our uh, Google DoubleClick, our ad partners, using our internal analytics, and building a system that we didn't see commercially available out there. Like okay. There's a lot of tools for social media marketing, but they didn't really work for our needs, and we built something that we call an ROIQ tool, and like once it started working, it auto-optimizes a lot of things and allows our social editors to not, not it, it, it speeds up their process by giving them data-centric suggestions that they can ignore, but it's like, no, you probably want to target these audiences because we know, you right. know? Ninety percent of the time, they pick that and it works, and they can override it. They can add stuff, but that's really scaled for us. Um, people keep asking, "Are we going to turn that into a product?" And <laughs> you know, I, it, it's tempting. I've had a bunch of board meetings about it, but um, then we have a then we have to start selling that, and that's right. an piece that we don't have. And uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things I've learned a lot as as, as a lifelong entrepreneur is. You you know knowing when you're starting to extend yourself too far and and when you know you've you've kind of got the right amount of things you're focusing on at any one time so
0: TBD yeah no definitely for sure it's uh you know yeah there's a lot of area that you could probably cover with that but if you have a specific um, you know piece that you're really focused on and you're driving growth with it I mean if you start to deviate <laughs> then you pull yeah. pieces.
5: Yeah, that 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 like I've really uh, I've learned my lesson a bunch of times about uh, you know I I think uh, you know uh, an entrepreneur who's got to be involved in the weeds on you know things I honestly don't think you should be taking on more than like three four deep things simultaneously in parallel or you may just drown. Um, you're always going to be spending half your time on just responsiveness and day-to-day management and whatever anyways. So uh, I, I, I've learned my lesson. And I'm never, ever going to have multiple businesses <laughs> going at once, by the way, too. I, Like that was not a, not a smart – you can't scale when you're diluted that much. Again, Elon Musk I, – I, yeah. I, Apparently but you can't can't really scale when you're when you're just not focused enough on any one thing
0: for sure what um and then you know kind of how do you balance or manage all your you know personal life and uh, entrepreneurialship side of things
5: yeah, that's a good question so um honestly like you you know I'm really, really efficient with my time. I don't sleep that much, but I make sure that I get a good night's sleep. You know, I try to get my six hours, six and a half. Uh, but I, I've had long periods of my life where I was working eighty hours a week. I'm not necessarily at that stage right now, but sure. um, you know, I'm certainly not working forty hours a week either. And. Uh, I, I get all kinds of people kind of talking to me about entrepreneurship. It's like, oh, I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to do this. And I'm always like, you got to be ready to commit. Like, right. it's just, it is all in. If you if you want to sort of have the best chance of guaranteeing that something's going to succeed, you just, you know, again, I use this term. You got to grind it out, and you're going to be hit with so many things that you're not expecting. Uh, I I I don't think I could have like. I if I started rancor at this point in my life with my kids at the age that they are, I would have a really hard time with it because when you know you got young kids, it yeah. sounds like you know, yeah. <laughs> you, know you, you can't. That time will go away if you don't spend it with them. Like it's a once in a lifetime thing, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, thankfully I had about three, four years of rancor where I was working a solid. 80, sometimes 85 hours a week, and that takes its toll. Yeah. I mean, you know, I exercise every day. I get sleep, but like, I would, ha- I would have like one hour of free time a day, right? yeah. and uh, you know, half a day on the weekends or something, <laughs> <laughs> half
0: a day, yeah. Yeah,
5: but I mean, you know, if yeah. you're, you're passionate about something, it's it's that those 80 hours are are not all work, right? They're, but still,
0: you need your outlets, right? Definitely. Well, cool. No, that's it's, that's exciting. I mean, it sounds you guys, you have a lot of really great stuff happening out there. And it's, you know, definitely an inter- interesting perspective just to hear another entrepreneur similar to myself and you know, a lot of the other people that I've interviewed. Uh, everybody kind of has that same um, process and that same, uh, you know, outlook, you know, similar as you. And, you know, they, they do what it takes, but then, you know, they also you know, work to really integrate as much time as they can as well. So,
5: yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I'm looking at you, and you're wearing a shirt that says hustle, right? And it's like, I totally get it. Like, you, like I, I can't think of a time in my life really when I haven't been hustling because yeah. I. I've been an entrepreneur now for like twenty years, and uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, like you're always, always, always
0: hustling. It's just that you just you develop it becomes part of your DNA. Yep, that's and, I agree there for sure. As you were growing, you, you created the dental business as well as the supplement company and everything. What, um, what, what do you think was the, the one or two factors that led you to see those to be both successful?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, uh, Josh, you know, everybody who's uh, on this, there, there has to be a mental, and this is where time collapsing really, like one of our sure. keys in time collapsing is, um, there's, there's a couple that I like to share. One is we never chase, we always attract. So the business is designed to have customers and patients, uh, or specifically online, because that's where I run most of my businesses or in seminars. We never chase people, they come to us. Okay, And so when we design our marketing, our 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 PR strategy, our book, like, you know, everything is designed with a strategy that has a business behind it. Otherwise you're just pumping out content or you're doing activities, you're going to networking events, or you're doing things without purposeful intent. Sure. And and um that's that's fine when I guess you have a lot of time to waste, but it's not fine when you are are really trying to um create the highest fulcrum and highest leverage points in your life, okay, that's one. Um, Number two is, you know, how how did a 26-year-old guy go into the dental profession where most of the dentists were 10, 15, 20, 30 years older than me and all of a sudden become an authority? And I think that's where the mindset shift of leapfrogging, like we just – and I talk about this in the book of you have no moral right, obligation. To work your way through the ranks, at any given point you can jump to the top of any market or endeavor and claim your spot. That's from uh, Robert Ringer's book, "Winning Through Intimidation," written in 1976. Oh, wow. And so the the main hammer to like or main point to hammer home is no one like for you to take a to for you to make an extra three hundred four hundred. A half million dollars next year or an extra million or to be dominant marketplace leader, no one's going to show up to give you permission. So you got to claim it and do that. And I do that in every endeavor and we do that again today. You know, that's, those are two big core operating principles.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. And then tell me a little bit about, uh, I know the leapfrog theory. I know we got a few minutes left, uh, but I definitely want to Understand that a little bit more, and how as entrepreneurs we can utilize that, you know, in growing our businesses.
6: Yeah. So, I mean, really simply is like, so if I have, if I'm making only hundred thousand a year, traditional thinking would brainwash you into thinking your next step is two hundred thousand. Right. And then your next step is 300,000. And leapfrog theory says, screw that, throw it all out. Where would I need to be at in order to generate you know, 1.5 million or 1.2 million? Who is that model? And how do I leap to that and then op- and, and assimilate his worldview? What is his processes and strategies? And then if, I, if we had the discipline to do that long enough, you would find out that you could replicate results very, very quickly. Um, the it's very the so why leapfrog versus take the steps one there's no there's it's not crowded at the top it's right. not crowded there's only a few of us up there it's very very crowded going up the stepladder everybody's there and everybody's everybody's brainwashed everybody's brainwashed to think that that's what it's supposed to look like so no one has like so it takes more mental fortitude and actually harder work to go up the step ladder to success. Um, plus, if you orientate differently when you're coming from a place of like, I'm already at 1.2, or I'm already at, I'm growing this company to 30 million or 50 million or 100 million, you'll seek out different mentors, different models, and behave totally differently than if you're just trying to go like, well, once I get to 300,000, then I'm going to set a goal for 600,000, and then after that, I'm going to set a goal for, Why? why it just doesn't make sense you're going to end up uh, you're going to end up missing a lot of your goals anyway so why not shoot high and orientate your whole world view from that perspective and then
0: train in order to get there cool so what i guess what's one little piece of advice you would want to share out with uh, you know any of the, our entrepreneurial listeners out there
7: um, entrepreneurial listeners uh, i would say that focus is fucking huge, man. Like uh, I see a lot of these other entrepreneur people going yeah. around talking about hustle. You got to hustle 17 hours a day. And, you know, hustle on the weekends and work seven days a week. And I'm like, fuck that, man. Like, you know, I work a lot of days because I love it. But right. like I don't work a long time, you know. And what I do instead is focused work. I think focus and immersion are more powerful than hustle. So one of my favorite focus methods is to work on a timer. And what I do is I'll work for 33 minutes on. Okay. And then at 33 minutes, I'll take a six-minute break. Right. And I use that number because that's what uh, Eugene Schwartz, who's one of the great all-time copywriters, used to do. is 33 minutes on, six minutes off. And then once I start cranking, I'll do 50 minutes on, five zero, 0 right. and 10 minutes off. And during that 10 minutes, if you really want to speed up your production and get your brain working, do something physical, man. Like do a set of sit-ups or push-ups. You know? yeah. Eat a snack, bathroom, and then like a, something physical to get that blood flowing, flowing through your body. And into your brain, and that's when you'll be doing your best work is when you're doing this focused work. And I guarantee you, if you're doing five hours a day of focused work, you will kick the shit out of someone who's doing 10 hours a day of just like, you know, scat, <laughs> crap. I'm sorry, but that, that's how it is, man. I'm all, I'm all about that uh, Pareto principle of finding the 20% that makes the 80%. Right. And this is it in effect, man.
0: You know. I am Josh Felber.